Hello and welcome to the Portal podcast, linking research and practice for social work. I'm your host and my name is Dr. Leslie Deacon. And I'm your other host and I'm Dr. Sarah Lombe. So we hope you enjoy today's episode. So hello and welcome to the first official episode of the Portal podcast. I'm here with Dr. Leslie Deacon and Mr. Neil Evans. We'll do some proper introductions in a second. Um, And we're here to talk to Neil about his CAS paper, and I'll let him explain what it's about shortly. Um, So before we get started, I'll let Neil give us a proper introduction, because you already know me and Leslie. Yes, I'm Neil Evans, a senior lecturer here um, at the University of Sunderland. Um, I currently teach on uh, health and social care, um, but I've had experience of teaching uh, career guidance students here at the university, social work students, childhood study students, and probably some other students as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Loads of students. Lots of students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, well, thank you for the introduction, and we're really thrilled to be chatting to you today about your paper, which... Leslie and I both really enjoyed reading and I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion today. So before we get started properly, um, could you just give us a brief overview of what the paper was about, just in case any of our readers haven't... Listeners, you're not readers, you listen. I was going to do that as well. I thought readers... (laughs) But they're not readers, they're They're listeners. listeners. If any of our listeners haven't read your paper, I think it would be really good to frame the conversation by just having a a snapshot of what it was about and we're going to get into some of the detail in a bit. Okay, well, I mean, the short version of the title is, is, is about aspirations and it's about impartiality and it's about guidance practitioners and it's about the role that guidance practitioners have in uh, their work that's supposed to be impartial with uh, young people and adults um, but in recent years um, a, a kind of an agenda which is about um, raising aspirations and um, so the, the paper explores what we mean by aspirations it explores when we say raise aspirations what do we mean by that but it's also I suppose in a sense it's a kind of a dialogue it's about a dialogue between a practitioner and primarily a young person because that's most of my experience most of my experience has been working with young people but it's it's relevant to adults and I've worked with adults as well but I suppose aspirations tends to be something that's more uh, talked about in terms of young people rather than older people but I think it's actually relevant for adults as well yeah I I definitely think the ideas in the paper are relevant for adults and I think there's a lot in there that's really relevant for social work as well which is what we're hoping to really explore with you today um so why are you interested in this area now well i suppose well my professional background is i mean i've been a i was a careers advisor for many many years and then a a manager a trainer so i've been in career guidance for almost 30 years i suppose okay a long time um and and i I taught here at some university it was the ma in career guidance so so as well as being a practitioner, I'm, I'm really interested in how people are, if, in a sense, trained or educated in providing career guidance. And what really fascinated me always was, as a practitioner and as a trainer, educator, whatever you want to use, the, how we how we actually choose what we do in life. Mm-hmm. It just absolutely fascinates me because, uh, I mean, I don't know, I read somewhere once there's something like officially 20,000 different job titles in the UK alone. So how does any person choose one of 20,000? So it just fascinates me. And, and, and 
what really interests me is how people are influenced to make that choice and mm-hmm. what those influences are. And there's lots of, you know, there's lots of material out there about what the influences are. The parents are very hugely influential. Teachers are influential. Other adults are influential. Siblings can be influential. Um, where you live can be influential. Um, your skill set is, is influential. There's, there's a multitude of things that influence what we choose. Mm-hmm. And it just fascinates me. Yeah. Um, and it always has. And in terms of aspirational stuff, I'm a kind of a product of someone who looked at me and said, Neil, you can do better than what you're aiming for. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, that go, that was many, obviously many, many years ago now. And I'm thinking, well, that was great. And I'm really grateful for that person. Yeah. But actually, I kind of want to look at it from the other side now. I'm thinking, but is that always a good thing? Mm-hmm. That actually someone actively pushes someone. Yeah, I think into your paper something. unpicks some of that in yeah. quite an interesting way. I think yeah. Leslie's got a question for you. Yeah, because um, obviously when I was reading it, I had my little social worker mm. hat on when I was looking through it. So I was sort of pulling out well, what do I think out of what you'd written? Because we've had many conversations, haven't we, over the years? Yes. We've worked together for quite a long time now about the sort of similarities between what we've done but with a different focus mm. in in mm. the practice area i just wondered if would you mind just um there's three terms that i think would be good to just sort of pull out so one of the terms that um i pulled out through the article was impartiality mm. what do you think that that kind of what does that really mean yeah well <laughs> i mean i think i've written i've, I've put something in there about a you know, definition of it on person. But I suppose it, in a sense it's, it's not taking sides. Mm-hmm. It, it's trying to present if you're working with people, it's trying to you know, not inf- deliberately not influence them in, a, in yeah. one way or the other. I mean, for me in my professional background, the classic example would be working with someone in year 11 at school, for example, who says I want to do A-levels but I don't know whether to do them here at the sixth form or at the local college. And being impartial, me being the impartial person would be just to talk through those options. I, being partial would be possibly, only possibly, because I know they don't all do this, but it might be a sixth form tutor thinking, well, you know, we'd like to keep this young person at, at, at school, mm-hmm. so we're going to try to encourage them to do their A-levels here. Um, that, that's a kind of almost stereotypical yeah. kind of example. But, but I suppose so being impartial is not taking sides. But that's really difficult. It, it it, it's it, yeah. because I might not deliberately take sides, yeah. but I might say something inadvertently and not mean to influence yeah. them, but it will influence them. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, sorry, that that's really just making me think about the role of advocacy and, and how yeah. they work with social workers, because the term that tends to get used there is independence yeah. rather than impartiality. But right. from what you're saying, it's the same thing. So the advocate's role is to be... Uh, in, independent to listen and to represent the person's yeah, views. Yeah, it is. is that I, the I, same I, thing. I, I think it's similar. I think when I think about impartiality, it's about it's, it's trying not to influence one way or the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's about making sure that if someone says I'm I'm thinking of this or this is what I think putting the other side in a sense and mm. I, 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 from a personal point of view I've always kind of sat on the fence anyway I'm, I mean you know I, I like to sit on the, I don't I'm quite an indecisive person if you <laughs> um, so I like to sort of see both sides of the story and I suppose impartiality is trying to but then I'm influencing someone to think about yeah, something that they maybe not have thought of so it's, it, it's a contradiction 
It, it is very sense. hard because when I um, then think about it, I think, well, in child protection, when you're going into a situation, what you've got to be trying to do is letting the evidence lead you rather than actually what you think about it or what your yes. p- personal perceptions yes. are. And there's a lot in social work, isn't there, about trying to address your be very reflexive because I think reflexive is one of the terms you use as well yeah, yeah. about what it is you bring into that. And so how how can you i mean i go round and round with this as well can we really be impartial i don't think we can <laughs> I, I, and sometimes i think i don't want to be impartial mm. i i mean my influencer if you like that was a teacher at school he deliberately was trying to encourage me to to go into higher education to do a particular uh well not a particular course but I was saying to actually wasn't I just before we came on air I was saying that he, I actually applied to do law at university that's what I wanted to do didn't get, didn't get the grades and so I thought oh, right, well I'll get a job then because I'd failed in a sense to do what I thought was you know yeah. a prestigious course it? but he said well you can still go to university and I said well yeah but what would I do and he said um, well what do you want to do and that was the first time I'd thought about oh, what I wanted to do. He really just that question: What do you want to do? You wanted to do law, but if I'm honest, that wasn't me. It was a kind of thing because my brother was in law, and, yeah. you know, and I thought, mm, I love your subject. And he taught me two subjects: he taught me economics and he taught me history. And I said, I clarified it by saying, history. I love history. I love your subject. I said, well, why don't you do history? I said, but well, what good would that do me in terms of a job? And he swore at me. I mean, he was a bit of a sweary teacher <laughs> outside of the classroom. Um, and he literally, I obviously won't repeat, but he swore at me and said, what does it matter what job you'll get with it if that's what you want to do? Mm, and it was a yeah. revelation. And I was thinking, wow. And I did. I, I, I went and did history. I had the best three years of my yeah. life. Absolutely fabulous. And yeah, at the end of it, it was difficult getting a job and I was unemployed for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do not regret it at all. No. Now, he was being very partial. Mm-hmm. So actually... Sometimes being partial is not a bad thing. And I just think it's un- it's, it's unrealistic. But is that... I mean, you say he was being partial, but he obviously wanted you to go into higher education. But would you say he... that, Do you know what that I impartiality th- was... I, I really like that example of him saying, what is it that you want? Because that's mm. very personal. You know that really was giving you was... the opportunity to express your views yeah. and your perspective and really reflect him what it was yeah. that you wanted which absolutely is I, I crucial think he, isn't it because what I think he wasn't wanting me to go into higher education what he wanted was what was what, do you what want? he thinks I wanted yeah he recognised he was almost saying do what you want to do Neil which is, that, I think, and that's what I pulled out of what you were just saying there as well. Was was that when you're saying it, it actually does sound like what he was doing was listening to you. He did, absolutely, and he was yeah. active and responsive. So actually, you know, although it, it's it's what happens, isn't it? You kind of think it's one thing, but then when you dig into something, you think actually no, this is about. His example was well. If you'd said actually I want to be a bricklayer, his response would have been yeah. right. Well, what you want to do? Because yes. actually, I have decided I don't want to be a lawyer. I actually want to follow my father or grandfather, and I want to go into yeah. the brick well, that, building business. I, I, I mean, if I may, I've got a little anecdote about a brick 
Can I? Have I used I the right that? example? Be all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was because I was working in a school once, and, I, and and I was working with a young person, and I knew what they were capable of academically, and they were capable of A levels in the university. I said, okay, well, when, but he went. It was a school, a particular school where not a lot of young people went to high, into higher education, and he said, um, I said, well, what are you thinking? And he said, oh, I'll be in Britvale. And I was quite at that time. I was very new, in, and I was thinking to myself, you don't want to compare people now you're, I know that you're capable of it. but actually and so I kind of tried to, to talk to him about other things that are related you know things like architecture and building surveying mm. and all that and then I, in hindsight I'm thinking but that might have still been the best thing yeah. for him at that time and I often think about that young person and mm. I'm thinking he probably runs his own business now he's probably a multi-millionaire but he probably be started being a bricklayer or he might ignored not be. my conversation <laughs> yeah. and my, yeah. my, you know. Yeah. So the, the, it's a kind. Now I think what's what I think that going back to impartiality, what you can be partial, impartial is making sure. And, and there's a term that we used to use in, in my profession, making an informed choice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I now think the most important thing is it doesn't matter what people choose as long as it's informed. And my role is to make sure. I'm thinking inwardly here. Yeah. Does this person, are they making this choice informed of all the possible options and the consequences, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And if they are, yeah. it doesn't matter what I think. It's funny because all of that's just fit in with like the other things that we were thinking about with the terms, which is like things like practitioner bias, which yes. is kind of just covered in that as well, and social capital. Because what you're really talking about there is the expectations then about certain groups of people. Yeah, absolutely, aren't you? absolutely. And I, I, I'm actually now horrified to think that I might have even tried to persuade them not to become a yeah. bricklayer. Well, what's wrong with being a bricklayer? That's absolutely, you know, we need bricklayers, and that's absolutely fine. And I probably didn't try to persuade them not to, but I, you know, in my mind many years ago I probably was thinking you could do better that's quite arrogant on my part as a professional practitioner to think that people can do better than something so I talk in the paper about a value system about why we view certain jobs and occupations or decisions as being at a certain level why yeah I think it'd be really uh, interesting to start unpicking some of that with you because I think some of what you've said already just talking about those key concepts is linking mm. to some of the stuff that Leslie and I wanted mm. to ask you about particularly around the values and around um, you know what you were saying before about informed choice because that's something really important in the social work profession as well but actually the amount of choice that people have mm. um, that social workers are working with might be much more limited mm, so yeah. professionally there are different contexts and different um, kind of mediating or limiting mm aspects of those two roles and I think it'd be quite yeah it'd be good to to talk about mm. some of those today as well okay Do you... yeah because it was making me um think about because I think you and I saw each other before Neil because you were interested about the fact that I was thinking about some of my practice because it does that's why I've, I'm really enjoying this process actually because I'm reading different things and then I'm having a little ponder <laughs> thinking about you know my own practice examples and because I sort of position what you were doing within all I know it's it's wider than this, but in a sort of educational framework mm-hmm. about, you know, what, what they want to do. But as a child protection social worker, which is my background, that was very far away. The aspirations, mm. what somebody wants to do in that aspect was very far away than what I was thinking of as a practitioner. Because what I was thinking about was, you know, are they safe? Have they got enough food? Are they in danger? Mm-hmm. 
But even within that, I do remember the the you know education plans that were there at the time being invited, and I just never had time. And I'm quite sad about mm, that. Mm. I had a conversation with one young mother who actually said to me, um, we ended up chatting one day, you know, on the way somewhere. And, and, and she said she thought about going to college to, to learn how to be a hairdresser. And all I then did was just gave her a phone number. And then that was the end of that conversation almost mm. because everything else was about her children. Mm. And I felt mm, quite sad. Mm, mm. You know, I don't know if I've got a question based on that, but it's just a statement. Yeah, maybe well, something well, my around... Res- <laughs> my response more... to that would be, I, I, I was in, I, I've been in the opposite situation where yeah. I've had a young person sitting in front of me and I'm supposed to talk to them about what they want to do when they leave school, for example. And I'm thinking, but you need a good meal because mm. you look really unhealthy or, 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 or you need some other... or, or a classic example for me, anyway, it's a classic for, was I was a duty officer once. Someone came in, they were homeless. Right. I'm not going to talk to them about, well, what do you want to do? You know, <laughs> yeah. I need that for me was priority. So I, I literally, literally said, come on then. I walked with them to social services. I got up. Unfortunately, social yeah. services were on a, a street or two away. And I physically got up with them. And, and I had a, a manager who said that wasn't my role. Ah, uh, interesting, yeah. But my role, I didn't, I saw my role as helping young people. That was p- my priority. Yeah, my role yeah. was to help young people, yes, within the career guidance kind of setting, but it was to help. That person didn't need career guidance at that yeah, time. They needed safeguarding. They needed a roof over their yeah. head. Yeah. Now, what was interesting was he didn't want to see anybody but me after that. Had you he was supposed met to be him, refer- or was that a no. Drop I'd, in? First time I'd met him, first ah, okay. time I'd met him, I, I can picture him now. Yeah, but you uh, helped him. Uh, yeah, and now, unfortunately, some of the other things I couldn't help him with because that wasn't my you know, that wasn't my expertise. Yeah. But when it came to then discussing his life, in a sense, what he was going to do with his life, he came back to me and 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 we had a, a, a positive working relationship. But yeah, so it works both ways. I, I, yeah. I've sometimes been really frustrated because I can't physically put a roof over their head or put food in their mouth or whatever Mm. yeah because it said one of the things as well was about how I think maybe I'm slightly influenced by my knowledge of you as well and the conversations we've had outside of the article but obviously you know um, I mean social work has has to a certain extent there's there's been a de-skilling of of some of the roles within that and I wonder what you think about the the way that that's happened with career guidance, you think there's some similarities there that actually what's happening is we're just spreading out that if you encounter them, it's your responsibility to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, I think, in a sense. It's that the more people are aware of... I mean, I remember a colleague of mine saying when we kind of changed as an organisation, we were the career service. It was called the career service and we became something bigger, which was the connection service. Mm. And, and it had a bigger, re- a wider remit. And, and I was fully behind that because it was wider, it was bigger. But of course, the downside of that is that you become less expert, potentially, in what you originally went into. So, and funnily enough, I was just saying to Sarah before, earlier, as a valid argument and um, I think professionals if they work together um, 
can actually make the most of other people's skills and their skill set. I, I was worried. I mean, I, when I started, if like, or not me, but my, me and my colleagues started going beyond the boundaries. So I would have, I, I, I mean, I have worked with some people who tried to be social workers. They were career guidance workers who tried to be the social worker. And I've known social workers tried to be the careers advisor. Um, but I think if you rely on each other for the support and help, then that, that that's fine. But I, I, I yeah, I have been worried that, that, that there was a kind of um, a dilution of that everybody now, you know, can do all of these things. And I think it's a balance between having a broad approach and, 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 and having a knowledge of lots of different things. And I definitely found when I was working that I could always tap into individuals within a partner organisation that had a kind of similar kind of mindset to me, yeah. that they they knew that they weren't, expert in something so would come to me I knew I wasn't expert in something and I would go to them uh, for support and help yeah I think I mean that's so important isn't it that's something we're always teaching the students about multi-agency working and collaboration and how to work together and obviously there are challenges with that as well but I think what you pick up on there is is that important point that different professionals do have different skills and although that has changed to some extent it's still true you're trained in particular ways you have particular knowledge and expertise and those should complement each other when you're working together i mean it is the skills but i think it's the knowledge i think we can share the skills i've no problem with the sharing the skills Mm -hmm. i think things like like empathy for example is a a, a skill everybody should have empathy i mean i I, I wouldn't even put a limit on any profession i mean you could be a bricklayer should have empathy you know i I think that's a you know skill everybody should have but in terms of the knowledge i can't have all the knowledge in my head so i I think we need to share that knowledge i definitely need to we need to be better at doing in that, I think. Yes. and 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 I think it, as an as a practitioner, you must take responsibility for that. You can't. Yes. I don't think you can rely on the organisation, the network, mm-hmm. government legislator, whatever. I think you, as a professional, have to say, "Am I doing the best for this person that I'm working with at the moment?" And does that in does that need me contacting someone else and involving somebody else? And almost like kind of dare I say it, ignoring not procedures but you know just making sure that um, I'm comfortable that I, I'm doing the best for the young person. I suppose it's yeah. about challenging when the procedure is potentially a yeah. discriminatory well, exactly, thing of isn't course, it? Yes but yeah. I mean like that example that I gave earlier where I mean I walked out of the office with that mm. young person to social services um, maybe that was I don't know whether I mean these days probably I'd probably get disciplined for actually leaving the premises with someone <laughs> to take them to another organisation. I don't yeah, know. But really at the time, hard, I thought though. that was what was needed. Because when you were talking there, Neil, I was thinking, yeah, but so, so I mean, this has been really interesting for me because I, I don't know the role of the careers guidance. Mm. I don't know that, but I know the social worker role. Mm. But there's other roles. Mm. But the people that matter who don't know what all the ins and outs of those roles are, are they actually mm. the, the experts, the, the, the young people, the young person you spoke to, the people I encountered? And there isn't a nice, easy way for them to understand, well, actually, that's not my job, comes mm. up quite often, doesn't it? Yeah, I, and it's more complex for my profession, in a sense, now, because um, guidance practitioners are employed by a multitude of different types of organisations, mm. whereas when I was working many years ago, there was a, a kind of a, a conformity to the kind of organisation we worked for, i.e. it was local government. Mm. 
<laughs> mainly. Um, universities had their own careers advisors, etc. But mainly local government was, was the response. So it was a kind of established bit like you know you have like in social work now guidance practitioners work across a range now even if you work in a school you might be working for a school that's within a particular kind of academy network yeah. so there's a you know yeah. so that has a different so actually guidance practitioners now it's um, really quite complex that, that who they might work for and they they sometimes have multiple roles so they might be on one hand uh a guidance, a career guidance practitioner, but also responsible for marketing. Yeah, and that's the same so, across with social work. I was going to well. say, yeah. yeah, because you know, qualified social workers don't just work in statutory no. services, so mm. that that role can be quite. Yeah, yes. it can be really similar. broad. I've literally just come from sorting out the um, social science research placement module, where we've just tri- tried to list the different type of organisations that um, mm. not the the specific ones, but the type. So we were sitting there thinking, well, okay, yeah, there is the local government aspects, the local authority, but then there's all different types of charity organisations, mm. social enterprises, uh, private sector community associations uh, cooperatives and we were sitting there thinking if we're sitting here struggling to write that list how do the people who actually have to then encounter all these professionals how on earth do they know Mm. well well I thought I was coming to you so that young person to me I'm thinking they just needed help at that moment you were there and they have a bond and they've connected Mm. to you there's there's too much around you know, oh no, we can't give you that. So you have to go somewhere else for that because this is where it's all the same, isn't it? That yeah, you, you that, I think that's such a challenge, not only just for the confusion that must arise, but also in terms of, you know, that young people in your example or, or anyone in a difficult situation having to repeat their circumstances over and over again to different professionals to yeah. access and, you know, different services. Yeah, and, and, and young people and adults, presumably, as well. They don't always yes. know what are, uh, they just see. A prof- they just see an adult that's in mm. a, 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 you know, yeah, a professional there. and they're there <laughs> to help you and they don't actually know what your constraints are or who you work for yeah. and in a sense does it matter from their point of view it doesn't, doesn't matter really all, you're just there to try to help them or yeah. if they want the help so we just want to change the world basically yeah change the whole system burn it down start yeah, again. yeah let's yeah, start again I, 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 <laughs> I'm a firm believer you can find a way to find individuals that will that's why I, I was saying I about think, um, in a way it's an individual it's your responsibility as a professional to try to build your own network in a sense I think yeah. you know that I think anyway because okay. you yeah. can't assume it be made for you the network yeah no I, I think that's a good point Neil I think that leads me on to one of the things I wanted to ask you about actually bringing it back to your paper specifically because what I found really interesting is that in in the paper was your exploration of the antagonism between professional values and I think there's a lot of overlap Mm. between the values of career guidance practitioners Mm. under Mm. social workers Mm. and there is some overlap in those and then the direction that both professions are being pushed in Mm. the squeezing of the role those kinds of pressures um, organizational and wider structural pressures on the professions and you talked about that antagonism between professional Mm. values Mm. and those kinds of Mm. pressures and I just wondered um, if you think that can be resisted in some way within the role (laughs) Uh, that's a big question isn't it come on Neil (laughs) answer it yeah I mean I I can speak sort of anecdotally and personally and how I've personally resisted it And, and I mean I you can do it in little ways and sometimes the little ways can be quite 
powerful, especially if ultimately I'm. I, I, if I've got someone in front of me, I'm there to help them. That's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, and I used to, I, I think it's partly in some quarters it's similar now, but I used to get young people sent to me because they would lose their benefits if they weren't seen by a careers advisor. Oh, so right. then that's not voluntary. So, they, so it's not voluntary. So they, they, okay. so they came resistantly they, and they knew this. And so... I, what I tried to do was distance myself from the policy, in a sense. So I, you know, I didn't actually f- agree with that policy. I didn't agree that you should have your benefits withdrawn simply because you hadn't seen your careers advisor and hadn't referred you for a job interview. And I, I just, just mm. didn't like that. So but when I you had say to you keep to the it, rules. How, so I, I how would did say you to, manage well, how that? Do I manage? So I would could... say to the young person, <laughs> I'd be I'd be congruent in the sense like a term that we, we, we use in terms of being, I had to be true to myself. So I couldn't pretend. So I would say, do you realise that actually if you don't come to your next appointment with me, I will be, I will, it's part of my role, I have to inform somebody at the benefits office that you haven't come today. I don't want to do that. So I would share that with them. And mm-hmm. sometimes that just creates a sense of trust and a bond. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then they, if they don't turn up, at least I've been absolutely honest with them. And sometimes yeah. I used to say, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that policy, but I'm yeah. afraid that's the policy I have to work with. Yeah. So it's that was my little, and actually you you get somewhere with you know yeah. you, you yeah. find a little, I think little change. Or my boss once said, I won't say who it was, many 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 years ago, <laughs> whatever government throw at us, we'll try to do it the way that we feel benefits the people that we work for. Mm. Yeah, I think you've touched on two really really nice and really important points there. So that second one really, um, you know, policies don't implement themselves; people implement them. Yes. So I think what your boss said um, kind of resonates in terms of that but the first point I think in social work in the literature one of the things that comes up and up again when you look at research that's actually engaged with um, people who use social work services you know experts by experience is that they really value honesty from the Mm -hmm. professional um, and not being told that they can do something that actually they can't because there are restrictions because of their role and the policies that they have to work within Um, so actually you saying that was was acknowledging the fact that you didn't agree with it but you you were powerless in that yeah. instance but actually just being honest about well this is what it looks like I don't like it but this is uh, yeah. how and it I, works probably does make a difference even though it's such a small thing just actually acknowledging that that it, was it is be it, it, it is because it. if you if you, if I was just to say what well, if you don't come to the next appointment yeah, you'll have your benefits stopped. What's that going to do? That's just going to put up a barrier. They're not. They're going to. Yeah. They'll, they'll see that as me. That's me preventing them getting their benefits. And then if you yeah. don't say that, and then you do that, yeah. you've, you've exactly. completely lost. Because I think that that yeah. I think that's that, dishonest. Really, it is. to not be upfront. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. I think that's an important part of of all practice. Because yeah, the research I've done as well, Sarah, has always highlighted that element of um, people felt you know that. It is about feeling that they can trust that individual. Mm. That's a real challenge when you're actually going in there with a law behind you that can actually take somebody's rights away from them. That's really challenging, but it's how you use it. And I think, like you touched on that element, because one of my questions was about, you talked about voluntary participation Mm. in Mm. your um, article, mm-hmm. but it's interesting now that actually you're saying that for some of it was not because they, those young people were not volunteering to come and see you. So there is that element with any practitioner, I think, that they will encounter both voluntary and mm. 
what's the correct term? It Someone is. who isn't there voluntarily. But I can see yeah. from, you know, I mean, obviously I've not been a social worker, but I can imagine how that is relevant being, it must be really difficult knowing what the law is. I mean, the, you know, the example that always goes through my head, if you're trying to, you know, challenge parents and you, about whether they can retain their children, yeah. for example, that must be so difficult. I mean, must think, they, it's, it's understandable they would take you think of you as being the person that's going to take their children yeah, away. Yeah, it, it is a really challenging thing um, to think about because when I left practice, come to work at the university, I've often considered what was the way that I spoke to them was that actually manipulative, you know? And and it, I think it's easier out of practice to reflect mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. than when you're in the midst of things mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get through your caseloads and that's the same across any areas mm, of practice mm, now. I mean, the amount mm. of work that people are covering is is huge, isn't it? And it's really hard to be sort of constantly aware of what you're saying, to, you know, to the absolute minute detail, mm. just in case you're saying something that actually is a little mm, bit mm, manipulative. Mm. And But I think that's the, the bit where I was thinking, you know, what do you think that, that, that social workers could take from career guidance practitioners do you think this, there's a particular way of working with young people that maybe they have that that social workers or maybe like youth offending teams could take on board and things like that i i would put it the other way around so we all can learn from each other and yeah. I, I i mean i've you know i've worked with social workers over the years as colleagues as you know as, as mm-hmm. partner colleagues and and youth workers and teachers and, uh, and all sorts of and i Personally, I'm not one of these that thinks all those professionals are like this. So what I would say, we, the best practice is the ones that have the genuine interests of the people that they're trying to support and help at heart. And if if you can try to do it in a way that kind of... I used to kind of try to distance myself from things I didn't like. And you might think, well, I don't want to, you know, there might be... But you weren't dishonest about it, were you? No, and I I just think it's being Acknowledging what it felt like to you. Being open and honest. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but, you know, people respect honesty. Even if they don't agree with you, at least they'll they'll respect honesty. So... But I'm oh, not yeah. going to say what I think. Because <laughs> I've learned hugely from, as, as, a, as a career guidance person, I've learned hugely from other professionals. I uh, think that's, like, that's kind of it, isn't it? That if actually, you know, some of the challenges around things like partnership working and practice, if actually we recognise there's something we can learn from each yeah. other, rather than this is my job, that's your job. I'm not saying that is what happens all the time, mm. but there have been you know when you're trying to get a group of professionals around to understand you know a person in front of them or a child Mm. or whatever's going on they're all from completely different Mm. backgrounds completely different education academic learning different research different theories Mm. behind it and they're all looking at this same situation Mm. ever so slightly differently Mm. so actually what what i think you're saying is if actually we all take the sort of positive elements from each other's practice and and listen to what each other is thinking then we can put something together i think think open-minded and well open to other people's ideas and and good practice and and not sort of thinking that you know it all and that's probably the worst type of practice is to think you do know it yeah the moment you think you know it all is is you're on the downward slope Um, yeah i mean you know i've got a lot of experience but i still think i can do things better (laughs) i can still learn from people um always you must Mm. always think you can learn from other people yeah Mm. 
Yeah. Definitely. I think that's what's interesting about even this process yeah, of recording is. the yeah. podcast. You know, actually taking a paper that's ostensibly not about social work and realising there's so much to take from it and learn um, that yeah, is relevant uh, for social work practice. Yeah, I mean, as well. one thought was just going through my head then about what, what you know, is that, that the idea of empathy? I mean, if I was to write another paper, that would be something I'd be quite interested in writing about. Just, just this yeah. process just inspired you well, to write your next uh, paper. Yeah, it's just because I think <laughs> if you can now. genuinely show empathy, then that that's a real step forward, I think. Yeah, there's some misconceptions about what empathy is, but um. that would be great. I'm going to ask you actually about another concept now, um, which we have touched on already. But I was really um, interested by your discussion of practitioner bias and kind Mm. of you went into some detail about that, including commenting around um, pressures that people experience in very demanding, very busy roles and how that can contribute to practitioner bias. And I really just wanted you to share some of that discussion um, yeah. for the podcast so I think that would be really interesting uh, yes, I mean, there is yeah I mean bias is from a professional level it's it, it partly depends who you who, who who you work for you know they yeah. can bias there can't they um, I mean I work for uh, a university here at Sunderland um, and I've been at open days for example and part of the open days to kind of share you know, tell everyone how wonderful the programme is, the course is that you represent. Um, and it would be very easy to say, well, come on, this course because it's the best course since sliced bread. And it's, but I have to be genuine, you know, I can't do that. That's bias. And You don't think our course is the best thing since sliced bread? <laughs> Neil and I have had disagreements on this, this point, is very haven't we? <laughs> but, but it's interesting because, uh, in a way, it's almost my that. bedrock. <laughs> But, you know, if someone was to come on an open day, well, actually, this has happened. A, a phone call from someone who wanted to do a, a course that no longer existed. Mm. The temptation by, for some people is to say, well, h- had you thought of this course? Now, I, this particular example, I knew that this particular course they wanted to do was still available, but just not here. Ah, and there's a moral dilemma do I <laughs> try to tell them about other wonderful courses that are available or a course that's not here that I happen to know about mm. and that's a kind of you know it's a moral dilemma I know what I did mm-hmm. you probably guess what I did oh yeah um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but the point about bias is that you can be biased without deliberately being biased I think so. It can be kind of unconscious uh, bias, subconscious or unconscious or subconscious bias. bias. Yeah, I'm biased. We are all biased. Mm-hmm. And how well do I hide it? You mm. know, and I, I might think I'm not biased, but I will be. I, you know, my son, you know, does not support his local football team because he knows um, who I support. And when he was a little boy, I deliberately tried not to get him to support my team because I wanted to support him to support his local team but there's an unconscious bias there that I probably talk when about saying, my all team the other more teams probably talk the about only my good one team more one. than I did the team that you know yeah. it's, it's uh, and, so and even think, when you're aware of a bias and trying to counter it you're saying it can still yeah. feed like, through keep, in our actions the uh, way we talk absolutely I, I mean I, I, I come from a, you know you mentioned very early about the kind of social capital and the cultural yeah, capital yeah. and we can't I can't take away my capital that I have that my social capital my cultural I can't take away my upbringing my background I can't take that away I might try to not make it influence 
what I do or what mm. my, when I'm working. But I can't help that. It's, yeah. It's, it's a kind so how of, how can practitioners be more aware of their biases and try and counter them? Because as as you rightfully said in your paper, when we're so busy, when we're tired and we're rushing and we're trying to get everything done. We've less time to talk. We've less time to reflect. It's it's yeah. difficult. So, and, and I thought Les, Les made a really interesting comment a few minutes ago when you said that actually, since you've stopped being a practitioner and come to work, you it's now easy. reflect more on what <laughs> yeah. you do. And I've certainly done yeah. that. And yeah. I probably, when I look back now, I'm thinking I wouldn't have done that now. So, my, there's no kind of um, magic formula to this, but I think. I would like to think that organisations somehow build in time to reflect. We actually, I remember having a conversation in my previous employer. We actually deliberately tried to build in reflection time. You know, mm, so yeah. like at the end of a team meeting, okay, who wants to bring to the table cases that they've been dealing with recently yeah. and reflect on that? But as you say, sir, that is so hard to do when the next case needs looking yeah. at. I mean, social workers do have supervision, and yeah. within they do, that, yes. they obviously do have from with their managers. They have time to reflect, but it's not it's not the same because no. I, I, you know, I know from my experience that that was very much case driven and what needs to be done. And there was there was opportunities, but it's it's about time and we're, and mm. and having the time and the space what to do what is thinking and <laughs> reflecting mm. on something. It's like when we're trying to write things. Yeah. I can't, in the midst of a busy time at work, I can't write. Yeah. I need to get away, almost going to the forests kind of thing. <laughs> you know, want to walk barefoot through the forest. It's almost like that. You need to get out of that space because actually you need to be able to completely distance yourself from, from um, you in it and look at you doing it and think about, you almost need like a kind of a parachute looking yeah. down on yourself and yeah. looking at your colleagues in a completely mm. detached way. Yeah, you need to get away, um, don't and, you? And that often How? isn't the top <laughs> yeah. time to do that. I mean, the reason yeah. why my, I've only just finished my paper now is because I haven't, I've had more time over the summer to, to finish it off. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I suppose there are techniques that can help you to do that and there are reflective tools and things, but yeah, it can be difficult in the midst of everything mm. to actually find that space and that time and if yeah. you're not aware of your biases the only way that you're going to kind of uncover them and try to address them is through taking that time and those conversations and that reflection yeah. but um, it, 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 yeah it's, like, it's also yeah. I, I, I've definitely got more philosophical as I've got older and about you know I, I no longer think anything I say is right <laughs> or wrong <laughs> I just think it is it just is it's just, just what it is and, um, yeah. it's yeah. that Schrodinger's cat <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now my favourite example is, is how light travels if any scientists have watched I've probably got this wrong but how light does light travel you know in waves or particles and there was huge debate massive debate at the turn of the, the last century about you know eminent scientists sort of arguing with, oh it's waves oh it's particles and actually the common consensus I think now might be wrong is it's both mm-hmm. it's both and I, I sometimes think well there, there is no right or wrong it's just that's no. how it is or it, it may be right or wrong, but it's your moral judgment about whether... Yeah, you know, which almost takes us back yeah. to where you started, which, which was that idea about impartiality yeah. and then <laughs> kind of trying to just not not to sort of just take sides or being, you know, 
so influenced by your own personal experience or values, but actually just trying to see things for what they are and look mm. at it in that way and look at that person in front of you and think this this is what I need to do. Yeah. That's how I need to focus, yeah. maybe. Well, I think I, I mean I put paradox in the title because I think yeah. it is a paradox. It yeah. is a kind yeah. of it's a uh, you know, and someone said it's like the impossible dream. I'm trying to achieve the impossible <laughs> dream. Yeah, but we need to just keep trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you never yeah. make any progress. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to start um, wrapping up the conversation because we've been talking for quite a while now and it's been really enjoyable. Um, can I ask you, Neil, um, what are you going to do now? What's next for you? A paper about empathy um, is obviously <laughs> yeah, on its well, way. Funny, I, think, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, Leslie knows... <laughs> Obviously, Leslie knows me very well, and it's probably think, well, why is it taking you so long to write this? And, oh no, and, I do. And and, and as I was writing and finishing it off, I was thinking, oh, uh, there's more left in the tank to write. You yeah, know? okay. Um, and empathy is something that really fascinates me, and I, uh, so maybe something about because I, I think sometimes people get confused about what empathy actually is, mm-hmm. um, uh, and but also. Uh, a thing about empathy for me is I don't think empathy is something that should stay within the caring professions. No, it should be out. I think it should be yeah. out there. So if I was to write something, I would quite say, what what can other professions learn from the caring professions in terms of empathy, maybe? I don't know. That sounds like something I would love to read. Mm. Yeah. So, Neil, what, in your opinion, are the key messages that social workers can take home from this paper that you've written and from your kind of wider research? Um... Well, certainly, um, a, ki- a kind of uh, you, working together. And I, I know it's a cliche, but uh, but but in a sense, go with your instinct. There's a, a kind of an instinct. I don't know whether there's an instinct that's developed over time, because an instinct suggests it's biological. I'm not suggesting that, but kind of go with what you think is right. Mm. Um, but check it out because it might not be. Um, but I would definitely think in terms of social what would social work work with others um, don't think that uh, you know it all um, and I think that that kind of looking at yourself before you look at the person opposite you so when I'm trying to help people I think if I know myself if I can sort of think how I think and how I've how I think what influences what I think Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I start thinking about, I like the way you're looking at me people. there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's because uh, I, I it's really made me think about who I am and what's influenced me. The writing is yeah. really, yeah. And I think right. Well, so other people think like that um, for all sorts of reasons. They might think differently. They might think similar to me. And I think social workers. Um, I, I, my, my experience working for social has always been great because they, they are incredibly caring individuals. But I like to think of myself as a caring individual, but I've sometimes thought I've known best mm. and, and I, I haven't. I haven't known what's best so at, at a moment in time. You need to challenge yourself. So you challenge first. yourself before yeah. you challenge other people. Um, I think that's great advice. I think that is because I think, you know, I think that's a good point to take forward and, you know, you know as a, as a reflection and, and development for people who if you know hopefully we have listeners but if we have then you know yeah I think I think that's a really good point to take forward and in, in for, for practitioners to think about is to actually challenge yourself first mm. yeah before looking 
to challenge yeah, others. I mean, I mean mm-hmm. Abba have just done a reunion, knowing me, knowing you. I'm not oh, sure I like go. that point You'd to love to bring on. in a song, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, but I, in all seriousness, I, I really do agree with that. And I think mm. that's a very humbling thought to, to finish on as well and does link back to this idea of empathy being so crucial too. Um, okay, so hopefully you've all enjoyed our lovely chat with Neil today. Um, just a reminder that if you want to read Neil's paper, you can find a link to it in the show notes, along with a summary of the episode and some definitions of the key concepts that we've covered and talked about today. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing you next time when we'll be talking to Dr. Rick Bowler about his work on race. Bye for now. Bye, Neil. Bye. Bye, Leslie. Goodbye, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, Neil. (laughs) Goodbye, Neil. Goodbye, Leslie. You have been listening to The Portal Podcast, linking research and practice for social work with me, Dr. Sarah Lombe. And Dr. Leslie Deacon. And this was funded by the University of Sunderland, edited by Paper Ghosts, and our theme music is called Together We're Stronger by All Music 7. And don't forget that you can find a full transcript of today's podcast and links and extra information in our show notes. So anything you want to follow up from what you've heard today, um, check out there and you should find some useful extra resources. See you all next time. Bye. Bye.